If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, we're starting a fall series today called By Design. It's going to take us right into Advent. Um, and so we'll be in By Design for the next four weeks. And after that, we'll start our Advent series. Um, after that, we'll be back into uh, Mark. And so we're taking a break for, a, for about eight weeks as we do By Design in Advent. And what we'll be looking at is we're going to be taking a look at God's good and glorious design for men and women. One of, the, one of the things we need to realize is that being a man or being a woman is more than biological. It's more than just checking a box on a birth, birth certificate. Uh, my son is a five-year-old boy. Uh, he's not a man. He does have a penis, but he's not a man. Am I allowed to say that in church? Because he does. It's a true thing. But he's not a man yet, right? So, so biologically, he's male, but he's not a man. In fact, we, 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 we're raising Elium in such a way we want to tell him, hey, man, this is, hey, buddy, this is what men do. This is what men don't do. This is how men treat their sisters. This is how men treat their moms. This is how men treat other girls. And so we're raising him in such a way where we're trying to teach him about what being a man is. But just biologically being a male does not mean he's a man. The same thing with women. Salome has all the parts that makes her a woman, um, but it doesn't mean, she, or it makes her female, but it doesn't mean that she's a woman. She's just a girl. She's two and a half, and she's just a girl. But what do we do then? If, if being a man isn't just simply growing facial hair, which I love to do. I had a mustache all week, and it was awesome. Uh, I shaved it because my wife hates it. Um, and, doing, and shaving it was part of being a man because my wife wanted me to. Uh, we, what do we do then? What, what, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And our culture has a lot to say about it, um, has a, but I don't know if that's working out really well because our, our culture has a lot to say about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, but here's where we've ended up. We've ended up in two spots. I, think, I don't think this is everyone, but we've ended up in two spots. We've ended up with a lot of boys who can shave, a lot of 20-something-year-old, 30-something-year-old men who live with their, or I'm sorry, boys who live with their mom, they live with their dad, they play video games, they, they stay in their pajamas all day. Like, they're not doing anything with their life except just staying at home. And they're saying, I'm just waiting to get a job, waiting to do this, waiting to do this, waiting to do this. And I'm not saying not living with your parents is what it means to be a man, uh, moving out is what it means to be a man, but I'm saying we have a lot of boys who are living at home. They're 27, 28, 29, 30, 31 years old, and they're just not men and the other thing we have is we have, some, we have a bunch of women who have completely lowered their standards of what a man should be. We have a bunch of women whose culture said, this is how men are, this is how men act, so you should just better, better just settle for what you can get. And that is also a huge problem in our culture. Culture defines these things with things that shift and it moves. And so being a man, you know, in the 1920s was one thing and being a man today is something different. And the good news about the Bible is that the Bible doesn't change. And so when the Bible says, this is what a man is to be like, man, that's for forever. That's for eternity. When the Bible says, this is what a woman should be like, that's forever. It's not going to change. And 20 years from now, I'm not going to have to do another sermon series to tell you, oh, things have changed. Men are different now. Now men do this. Now women do this. I, I'm only going to do another men and women series to remind people, not because anything changed, not because anything changed. And so we're going to look at Genesis 1.1 today uh, and, and then Genesis 1.24 a little bit later to see how God designed men to operate. What, and we're going to see what God says about all the different ways women are to walk in. And so we'll go Genesis 1.1. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It's just a really short sentence. And it says this, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we're going all the way back to the beginning of time. God is outside of time. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to go into that because it just hurts my head. Um, And I know I got an extra hour of sleep, but I am still tired for some reason. So I'm sorry, but God is outside of time. Time is not a place God is. God is outside of time. Um, he, he, he doesn't just know the future. It's a place where he is. He's, he's outside of time. So this goes all the way back to the beginning where there was just God and God created. He created everything we see. Colossians chapter one is going to say everything was created in him and through him, by him, for him, for his glory. Everything was created. Today, uh, our, our little ones are learning in seedlings that all men and women were created for the glory of God. They were created, they're looking at the Tower of Babel and how, how um, men have tried to reach up to God, but God's design is not that men would reach up to him, but that he would come to them. And so they're learning that today, that men were created for the glory of God, and that's so true today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We are not the point of the universe. God is, because we were created. But there's something here, there's something that exists that's, that was never created. There's something that exists that was never made, God, God is, God in the beginning, God. He was already in the beginning and he created the heavens and the earth. And here's the good news about that. The good news about me not being the point, the good news that you not being the point is that, um, is that even though we're not the point, we have a special place in the creative order. So God created everything. God created everything there is, everything we see, he created for him, and we have a special place in the creative order. You and I are beings, even though we have a special place, are not the point. And this, this isn't easy to understand or easy really to take in because the problem is, man, is we like to be the point. Like we want to be the point, right? Like it feels good when we're the point. We get home and we want our wife to serve us. We want things to be done for us. We want, we want to walk in and th- everything just to be okay. We don't, it's hard to walk in after work and just have to go, go, get the, you know, go get the kids, stop them from climbing all over the stairs and have to go do the dishes. And like, we don't want to do those things. We want, we want to go to work and we want work to be easy. We want, to, to, we want serving our wives to be easy. We want, we want to be served rather than to serve. We want to be the point. For Margie, I want to be the point. For my kids, I want to be the point. I want my kids to love me. I want my kids to uh, like me, to want me, to want, you know, to want daddy. Like, I want those things because I am inclined to be the point. But I'm not the point. And knowing that I'm not the point just makes everything in life work. Knowing I'm not the point means, helps me understand that when my wife has been with two children by herself for the last few days because I've been gone, Last few days, she's last couple of days, she's had the two children by herself. Me knowing that I'm not the point means that when she gets home, I can help her because she's lost her mind in the last two days. Because having two kids by herself is not easy. It's not easy by any stretch of imagination. Uh, before we even get into like gender and stuff, can we just can I just say I've said this before, but my wife stays at home with the kids, and that's not an easy that that, that is a job. Like, I hate when people say, like, oh, so, you know, your wife doesn't work. No, she works. She works 24 hours a day making sure these kids don't die or, like, eat each other. Like, that is hard to do. Like, these kids, they just want to go crazy all the time. And she works 24 hours a day to make sure they don't do that. She works hard. And I come home, and I try and work hard to make sure she doesn't end up on the news or in some, some article clipping. Like, I try and help when I, when I get home. And so I don't know when not working at home became 
I'm sorry, I don't know when, you know, being staying at home wasn't a job, but it absolutely is. In the last two days, she has done that. And when I come home, as tired as I am, as much as I just want to climb into bed, and I climbed into bed until she got there, but when she came back from, being, from visiting family, I just did all that I can to help because I know that I'm not the point. So then why are we here? If we're not the point, why are we here? And the short answer, I'm not going to answer it completely today. The short answer is for the glory of God. We were created to bring God glory. God created us to bring him glory. It's what our kids have learned today, and it just fits perfectly. And we'll go into that in greater detail, greater detail in the weeks to come. But quickly, just to understand the purpose, is we were, purpose, we were created with purpose to bring the creator of the universe glory, to bring him glory, to make much of his name. We're not just aimlessly wandering through the cosmos. We're not just machinery doing our, you know, going through and, and going through instinct. But the Bible would say in Proverbs that there's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in the way of death. There's a way that seems right to man, but it ends, but its end is the way of death. That's in Proverbs. And it's a terrifying verse because what that means is there's a way that looks right to us. There's a way there, there's, there's a purpose that looks right to us, our purpose on earth. There's a way that looks right to us. There's a way as men that looks, man, this is what a man is. And there's a way for you women that you see, and you're like, this is what a woman is. And that way seems right to you. But the Bible is going to say that, that that way ends in death. The Bible saying, no, 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 no. God's saying, no, 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 I'm the way. I'm the way that leads to life. This, this, the word of God is the way that leads to life. You're not the point. You're not the way that leads, that leads to life. But your way, your way leads to death. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your hand are pleasures forevermore. That's a, that's a good verse. And so there's a way that seems right to man that leads to death, but there's a way of God that leads to life. It leads to the fullness of joy. It leads to pleasures forevermore. So we're created for God's glory. And I've, I've, we've gone through series on this before, but we were created for God's glory. And that's our joy. Our joy exists in glorifying God. And so, so as we go through this, I just want to say that there's, there's a way that seems right to men to be a man. There's a way that seems right to women to be a woman, but it's going to lead to death. And so as we go, we're going to continue to go back to Scripture. We're going to continue to go back to God's Word to see what is the way of life. And the reason why it's important to start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is because if we were created by God, then He gets to tell us how to live. If He created us, then He gets to tell us what it means to be a man. If He created every woman on earth, then He gets to tell them what it means to be a woman. Because he created us. And that's not a hard, heavy-handed, iron rod kind of way of being a God, but that just makes sense. Like if I created something, if I created, if I made an invention, and the, the, this weekend I spent uh, several hours with, with some engineers from Graco. Did anyone know who Graco is? They make like car seats and stuff. So they create these car seats, right? And they have a, a way you're supposed to use these car seats. And I know Brooke uses them the way they're supposed to be used. I, I put it in a car and I'm like, there's some extra straps here. I'm pretty sure those are important. Like, I don't know where they go. And to figure out where these extra straps go, I have to read the instructions. 
And I, I, follow the, I try to follow the instructions as long as my car has as many hookups as they say it should have. But oftentimes we get cars off, cars off Craigslist that are several years old. And they don't have all the hookups that modern cars have. So we do our best. But it's okay for Graco to tell me, this is how you put a car seat in. This is the safe way to put a car seat in because they designed and created the car seat. Only they know how to put the car seat in. I could try and figure it out. I could start hooking things to things and tightening straps down. I could try and figure it out. But man, unless they tell me this is the way you're supposed to do it, I'm only guessing. I'm just, I'm just throwing things out there, seeing if it works, seeing if the car seat budges and just praying if we get an accident, everything's gonna be okay because I did my best. But man, I could just go to Graco and be like, hey, can I get like an instruction booklet? It probably came in the box. I lost it. I can download one off their website and I could read through it. I even found out why car seats expire this weekend, which I've always wanted to know. And they told me, and we'll talk about that later, but it's, it's, it actually makes sense now. So we're buying new car seats. Um, so there's a way that seems right to man. It leads to death. There's a way that seems that, that there's a way of life that leads in fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. And God can tell us how to do it. The other good news that God has spoken on this is because, like I said, it's not going to change. It's a fixed point. This is, this is what men are, and this is what women are. This is how they operate. This is how they were designed to be, and it's a fixed point. It doesn't move. It doesn't change over time. And that's good because whenever we use directions, it's always great to have a fixed point. When I first moved here, I learned that, um, that having a fixed point and knowing where the fixed point is is incredibly important in getting directions in Spruce Pine. Uh, anytime I asked where to go in Spruce Pine, if it was even near Avery County, it was all, the first question in their mouth was like, hey, how do I get to here? They're like, do you know where the old Joe House used to be? Every single time I asked for directions, do you know where the old Joe House used to be? It's like, is it there now? They're like, no. It's like, then I don't know where it is. Like, is there a sign that says this is where the old Joe House used to be? Because if there's not a sign there, then I have no idea where it is. But, but, but that's a fixed point in everyone's mind. So all directions towards Avery County comes off of, do you know where the old Joel House used to be? And to this day, I don't, is it Joe or Joel? I don't even know. It's something. Joe or Joel, I don't know. But there's that fixed point. And we have to have a fixed point if we're going to get directions. And God is our fixed point. He doesn't change the world's view on manhood and changes every decade. Manhood and womanhood changes every decade. It leaves us confused, but God's design doesn't change. He's our North Star, and by him, we can look and walk in the way he's designed the universe to work for fullness of joy and to glorify him. All right, that was the intro. We're gonna start going into um, how God created everything to be. He spoke to um, how his creation is supposed to operate. And so we're going to start looking at how God created men and women. And before we even look at it, God created men and women a little bit differently than the rest of creation. Um, he created them a little bit differently than the rest of creation. I, I heard this story from someone and I loved it, so I'm going to take it and change it to my family. But I have a wife. I've been married for nine years. We have a five-year-old son, Elim, and a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Salome, and we have a dog named Riley. Riley is of questionable age, um, probably like nine or 10. I don't know. She's pretty old. In fact, a couple years ago, my mom came to stay with us and my mom talks to animals. We'll just leave it at that. And so she comes and, and uh, she, she, she's leaving. And she says, hey, Riley told me that um, she doesn't have much longer to live. That was like three years ago. So I don't know how much longer, not much longer means, but uh, Riley's still with us today, but she's old. And so it was a good guess. Um, or Riley said it to my mom. 
but she's a beautiful dog. She's, we were told she's part Husky, part uh, Rottweiler, which is a weird mix. But everyone who meets her uh, agrees that she's a beautiful dog. And whether you're a believer in Christ in here today, uh, whether you have a religious background or not, the question I'm going to ask is going to be absolutely simple. Let's say my family was to run into some financially tough times. It was just hard. And we couldn't keep doing everything that we're doing. We had to get rid of something. If, if it came down to the question, we don't have enough cash, so who goes? It's obviously Riley goes. Like no one here today thought, you know what? You might need to get rid of Margie. She costs you too much. Because think about it. If mathematically speaking, Margie cost me way more money than Riley. So if I got rid of Margie, like the problem would be fixed more quickly. I'm not even sure getting rid of Riley would fix a cash flow problem because we just feed her leftovers a lot. Is that okay to do? I'm pretty sure it's okay. We just feed her leftovers a lot. We have dog food from we don't have leftovers. We feed her leftovers a lot. And so Riley is a little bit different than Margie, than Salome, and then Elian. The answer to the question is not mathematical. It's not a simple math. But it comes down, it's not even behavioral because Riley is way more obedient than Elian and Salome. So it doesn't even come down to like who listens to you more. Riley does. Like, I, I don't get to keep Riley just because she's more obedient and she sits when I tell her to sit. Because if it came down to ob- obedience, Salome's got to go. It's not mathematic. It's not, not ob- obedience. And why is that? Why is it simply Riley has to go? Well, the reason is, is because we were created differently than the rest of the creative order. We'll go to Genesis 1, verse 24. We'll read to the end of the chapter. Well, again, it'll be up here so you can see that we're not making this stuff up. This is really in the Bible. Genesis 1, probably like the next page or same page, depending on your Bible and, and font level. 124, it said, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kind. And so it was. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps over the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree that with seed in its fruit. You, have all, you, have, you shall have them all for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So there's several things that's happening in this, in this passage of scripture. Um, and the first one, there's a, there's a break in rhythm. So, the, so really, Genesis chapter one reads more like a Hebrew song or a poem, and so it's very repetitive. Things happen over and over and over again. Um, but there's a break in that rhythm in this one. So, so every other day God created, he looked at it and said that it was good. Looked at it, said it was good. But when he, the day that he created men and women, he looked at it and said, it is very good. I created this and it was good. I created this and it was good. I created this 
and it was very good. And all of a sudden, the conversation changes even more. Before that, he said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. So the, so the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit get together and say, hey, let's, let's make man in our image. This is man universal. This is man and woman. This is humans. Let's make humans in our image. Out of the overflow of their unity, joy, perfection, and love, they planned to paint on the canvas of creation their glory, God's glory. And they put, they made man in his image. And so then you fast forward to Exodus, right? And, and Moses gets the Ten Commandments. And what's, the, what, what's on the Ten Commandments? You do not make an image of God. Why aren't we supposed to make any images of God? Because God already did it. It's not just some arbitrary rule. Hey, don't make any images of me. Don't make anything you think I look like. But he said, don't make an image of God because I've already given you an image of God. Every man you look at, every woman you look at, I've created in them the image of God. Don't you go creating images of God. I've done it. I've already painted my glory on the canvas of creation. In all the vastness of the universe, this tiny dirt ball, God created Adam and he created man to be, to have dominion, to have his image, to be viceroys for him. And viceroys is a weird word. Um, if you're not familiar with Star Wars, the, old, the newer Star Wars, um, it's a weird word. But if you are familiar with like, you know, episodes one, two, and three, uh, then you kind of understand viceroys. They're like, they speak on behalf of, they, they work, they do on behalf of someone else. And so uh, this idea of the Imago Dei is as how theologians say it. It's, it's Latin for the image of God, the Imago Dei. It looks, it's God's investment in humanity of God-like glory and moral capacity to reign and rule on this earth as his representatives. The Imago Dei is, an, is God's investment in humanity of God-like glory and moral capacity to reign and rule the earth as his representatives. That's what sets us apart. And it's, it's innate in us. We understand it. That's why, that's why when it comes to me having to get rid of some one of my family members, it obviously is Riley. And it would be sad. I'm not saying I don't like my dog. I love my dog. It would be horribly sad. My kids would cry. It'd be, it'd be rough. But it's obviously Riley. No one's thinking Margie because Margie has the Imago Dei. She has that investment in God. And it sets, us, it, sets us, uh, it sets us apart from Riley because there's a lot of things that Riley and Margie are alike. Like they both have eyes. Uh, they're, both, they're both very particular about where they sleep. Um, they both like to have blankets. Like there's a lot of things that are the same between Riley and Margie, but there's lots of differences between Riley and Margie. Riley doesn't actually have a, while she's very particular about where she sleeps, she doesn't have a hard time sleeping. Nothing keeps her up at night. Like if Riley's tired, she just passes out. If, if Margie's got something on her mind, she will not sleep. It takes like a lot of Benadryl and, and, and uh, uh, what's that, uh, melatonin? Is that a thing? Or is that what your skin's made out of? Melatonin. Melanin is what your skin. Thank you, DC Talk. Um, I got that now. That was a dumb church joke. If you didn't grow up in church, you probably don't know what DC Talk is. I wouldn't recommend going to listen to them. They're a little crazy. But um, melatonin, she takes melatonin to help her go to sleep. Um, Riley doesn't need melatonin. She'll just pass out. There's a lot of likeness. There's some vast differences. Riley doesn't have dominion over the earth. My dog doesn't have dominion over the earth. It's you and it's me. We have dominion over the earth. We exercise authority. We're the ones who bring order into chaos, not the animals. I know there was this like new Planet of the Apes movie, but that's never actually going to happen. 
God, that's not how God created the universe. He created the universe for man and women to have authority to exercise dominion over the earth and over the animals. It'll never be the role of dogs, horses, and monkeys. We have intrinsic value because the image of God has been given to us. And that should have a profound impact over the way, way we view other humans. The idea that we, all of us, the person sitting to your left and to your right was created in the image of God should have a profound impact on how you view them. But it doesn't stop there. It should have the profound impact on how you view everyone. It should have a profound impact on how you, how you see slavery. I don't know if, how familiar you are with American history, but in 1857, there was this landmark Supreme Court case called Dred Scott or Sanford versus Dred Scott. Um, and it's called the Dred Scott case. You might've heard of it, but basically this, this slave named Dred Scott sued for his, for, to be a free man. He sued uh, to be, for the right to be a free, free man. And the Supreme Court of the United States of America on a seven to two vote said African Americans were not American citizens and therefore they were not able to sue and to tap into the justice system. Seven to two, they voted they were not American citizens. There were two dissenting votes. One of the dissenting votes was Supreme Court Justice John McLean. And here's what he said. A slave is not mere chattel. He bears the impress of his maker and he is destined to an endless existence. That was the argument against slavery. It wasn't, it's not economically, it doesn't economically make sense, but the argument against slavery was that slaves, African-Americans, bear the impress of his maker, the image of his maker, and he's destined to an endless existence. They're made in the image of God. They're not a mere possession, but he's a man. That was their argument. And it should change the way we see other humans, change the way we view everything, it changes the way we view racial reconciliation, the way we um, view one another and racial injustice. This, is, this, is, this should inform how we see one another. We're not just men and women walking this earth, but we have souls. We have the image of God. We've been placed by God in his image. In fact, any place and anywhere mankind is stripped of their inherent dignity as being made in the image of God, horrible, horrible things begin to happen, like slavery or sex trafficking and these horrible things. And it should... This should inform the way we view these things. I think the easiest way and the, most, the one that'll hit most to home is pornography. Pornography is the degradation of the performers as not having any soul, not bearing the image of God, but it's consuming their emptiness and despair for our own pleasure. It's deplorable and it's wicked and it's demonic at nature. See, when, when, when men or women engage in pornography, they, 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 they believe in their hearts, this person doesn't have a soul. This is what this person wants to do, and I'm just, I'm just enjoying it. No little girl dreams of becoming, of being in pornography movies. No little girl grows up thinking, this is what I want to do with my life. Like, it takes a lot of hurt, despair, molestation, abuse for someone to end up in that industry. It is no one's dream. It's no one's dream to start working in a strip club it takes horrible things to happen to someone for that to be a light for them, a way out, a way to make money. 
So when we engage in those things, the Imago Dei is not understood and we just enjoy those things at the despair of others because we believe they have no soul. They do not bear the image of God. I, and they're just created for my enjoyment. And that is horrible, horrible way. Where the Imago Dei is not understood, the weak and vulnerable are all, always bear the brunt. Always bear the brunt of of abuse and consumed. That's why uh, and Peter in First Peter, he says, he says, women are the weaker vessel. And he's not making the statement that women are weak. I, I've, I've seen some strong women. But what he's saying is that when, when the Imago Dei is not understood and not exercised, and you don't exercise your, your behavior as if people are made in the Imago Dei, women and children will bear the brunt of evil in the world. It is women who will most often be consumed, and it'll be women who are most often not valued when the Imago Dei is not understood. And there are little boys and men who, who um, are sold in, in, into, into sex trafficking and prostitution, but by and large, the abuse falls onto women and young children, and they bear the brunt of it. And I can go on and on. We can talk about abortion. We can talk about all these different things where the Imago Dei is not understood, and so horrible, horrible things begin to happen in our world. Because we don't understand the person next to you, the person you're looking on the computer screen, the person you're talking to has the image of God and they have innate value. They have innate dignity and you should act like they have value and dignity. This is why historically Christians have always been, historically, most of the time have been on the forefront of, of uh, civil rights movements and racial inequality and, and fixing a lot of these things. I'm not saying they always did the right, they didn't do it the right way. I'm not saying they worked with a sense of urgency that they maybe should have. But they all, most of the time, there's been people who use the Bible to say slavery is good. I'm not talking about those people. But most of the time, Christians have been on the forefront of urging people to treat each other as if they have innate value and dignity and to stop slavery, to stop abortions, to stop sex trafficking, to stop these things. When you actually look at the biggest organizations that are making the biggest impact in the world against slavery and organizations, they're, they're faith-based organizations. That's why it's so easy for us to support these ones with, our, with Reach by Cosley. And we check in, we were able to give money to these people. It's so easy to find these organizations because faith-based organizations, they're, they're quick to see people bearing the image of God and wanting to make sure they have food, they have shelter. They're not in a place where they're going to be um, abused or, or, or stolen. Adam was created in God's image. He's the father of all human beings and all ethnic groups. Therefore, all humans are equal in value, dignity, and worth. In absolute and unique glory, humans were alone made in the image of God. And it's sad that I have to say this today in 2017, but look at me. There is no master race on this earth. There's no race that's better than any other race. They all come from Adam. They're all equal. They all come from the same man. If you want to even go after Adam, they all come from Noah. Like there's no master race. There's no race that's better. There's no race that um, is uh, more beautiful. In the diverse, diversity of ethnicity, God simply displays his glory all the more beautifully. God created everyone in his image. And it's an absurd idea that there's some sort of massive master race. 
And that idea drives almost every act of genocide in the history of the world. From World War II to uh, what happens in things like Uganda and in the Philippines and all these things all come from this idea that there's a master race. And the idea that there's a master race is an affront to the Imago Dei, the idea that we are made in the image of God. So back to our series that we were created by design. The Imago Dei is why we fight for and work toward complete gender equality. And that might rub some people the wrong way, but we, as Christians, we should fight for and work toward complete gender equality because both men and women were created in God's image. In fact, here's our stance on gender roles at the Grove. Men and women are absolutely equal in essence, dignity, and value, but are distinct by divine design. As a part of God's good created order, men and women are to have different yet complementary roles and responsibilities in both the home and the church. And so we believe that men or women are absolutely equal in dignity and value, and we should fight to ensure that all genders are, rep- are, are equal and seen as equal. And all people are seen as equal because I have absolutely more in common with a homeless two-year-old girl in Iraq than I do with my dog, Riley. There's so many differences between me and the two little, two-year-old little girl in Iraq who's homeless, but I have, in, I have infinitely more in common with her than I do my dog who I see every single day because we were both created in the image of God. So you might have come today and you thought we were gonna talk about how men and women are different. That's next week. Today, we celebrate the sameness. Today, we celebrate the equality between men and women. Today, we celebrate the idea that men and women were both created equal in the image of God and that that cannot be stripped away from them. And when it is stripped away from them is when all the atrocities of the world start to happen. Why does this matter? How do we apply this? I think the first thing is uh, if, if the Imago Dei is true, then how men view women must change. It must be informed. The way men view women must be informed if, uh, by the Imago Dei. Men must think differently of women and push past the stereotypes of women as a mere sexual creature or servant put here for our pleasure and comfort. Secondly, men must think biblically of women and treasure them as sisters and co-heirs, daughters of the king and glorious not dismissing their intellectual, uh, their inter- in, intellectual intellectuality. I don't know. Not to dismiss their intellect. Sorry, I didn't go to college. Or robbing them of the right to exercise their gifts within God's beautiful design. God designed women to be smart, courageous, and in man, just fearless creatures. In fact, the idea. And I believe absolutely that there are gender roles in the church and gender roles in the, in the, in the home. I believe that with hundred percent of my heart. But I think we've, our culture has shaped the way Christians view that. And my wife is ferocious and I love her for that because I can't just come home from work and, and she says, hey, how was your day? It was okay. And her just to be like, okay, all right, well, here's dinner. Like she's gonna keep asking me and keep asking me and keep coming after me until she gets to the heart of what's going on and she can pray over, me, pray over me and help me work through what's going on in my heart because my day was just okay. Like she is ferocious in her pursuit of my heart and I thank God for that. And that's the way I want Salome to be when she grows up. That's the way I want Salome to be when she's married, if she marries. Women 
whether single or married, must think rightly about being representatives of God, made in his image, and fulfilling his purposes. In the same way, women must think about men and push back the stereotype of men as Neanderthals. And it must have higher standards of how men should approach you and act towards you. You just look at TV today, and like the longest running show on television is The Simpsons. And the main male, male character of The Simpsons is a complete moron. And it's funny. I don't know if the show's funny. I'm, I'm, I watched it when I was a child. I'm sure it's, it's horrible. But the idea that he's a moron is funny. But that's our view of men today. You look at any sitcom, anything, any, any uh, comedic sitcom, maybe there might be a couple that I don't watch. But like men are just complete morons. And the problem with that, as funny as I think that is, and as, as funny as it is to watch them and enjoy them, it's started to change our culture to where women expect men just to be morons. And so they settle for morons. They settle for, for boys who can shave, who have no respect for the Imago Dei. They have no respect for their soul, but they just view them as some sort of sexual um, conquest or sexual uh, servant. And, and, and women marry these men. And now they're stuck with them, some moron, and, 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 and they settle for that. And they just think, this is just the way men are. And it's not the way men are. It's absolutely not the way men were created to be. They weren't created to be Neanderthals, Neanderthals or morons. We ha- you have to fight against this. And that leads to my second point for women. Women must think biblically and have high expectations for how men approach them and honor them as sisters. Because of the Imago Dei, ladies, because of your intrinsic value to God, you must not treat yourself cheaply. You must have high expectations of how men approach you, high expectations of how they should honor you. You must understand your value before God in such a way that you will quickly and easily reject little boys who can shave just because they are attracted to you and they come to you and they tell you they like you or they love you. You have to get rid of those little boys in your life. I'm talking to married men and single men because I think a lot of married women, a lot of married men even, will entertain these flirtatious workplace and relationships because they feel liked and loved. But if this person isn't, if they're not your husband, you just need to get rid of that. If they're not your wife, you need to get rid of that because now you're dishonoring the Imago Dei and your spouse. And so men and women both, you have to build relationships with people, build relationships with people, build your life with people around you that respect the Imago Dei. But men and women often, or women, sorry, women often have very low expectations of how men should approach them. So, today we celebrate the sameness. And I wonder what our world would actually look like if we operated like this. What our world would like, like, like I imagine a world where Pornography wasn't the biggest, most profitable industry in the United States because the clientele just dried up because men and women both started viewing each other as having this image of God inside them and they, they just didn't have, uh, they didn't have the uh, desire to look at these things anymore. Where, where just pornography made us sick and didn't arouse us, where, where it didn't become commonplace for business meetings to happen at strip clubs. I just, I just imagine a world like that where, where men and women can be friends and, and where, where men can treat women as sisters and women can treat men as brothers in Christ. And that can absolutely happen. Mar- Margie's my absolute best friend. I, sh- I bear my soul to her. I tell her how I feel. I share all my feelings with her. 
Sometimes she has to draw those out, as we talked about earlier. She helps me, and she's a good, right gift from God. But I also have friends who are women that I don't bear my soul to, but that I can talk to in a smart way because there's a foolish way to have women as friends. But because of the Imago Dei, the Lord would uh, invite me to treat all the women that I know as sisters in Christ, as good sisters in Christ. And so, and, and what that means is the other day I'm preaching this a pretty hard sermon in Mark and the sermon's kind of just a tough sermon for me to preach. Like I know, I know what's going on in a lot of people's lives in our church. And so I get to points of Mark because we're going through Mark and I'm like, man, this is just gonna talk to this person and I, it's gonna sound like I'm just talking to them. So we had one of those sermons a few weeks ago and, and because I understand the Imago Day, I can just go up to someone. And so Suze, a good friend of mine sitting up here in the front, I know this sermon's just gonna speak to her. So after the sermon, I can go up to her and I can just talk to her and say, hey, Suze, how are you doing? You're doing okay? Like, can I, can, I, can I pray for you? Like, how are you feeling? And I could have a, a normal conversation with her like I would a sister. I don't have, on the opposite spectrum of, of, of understanding the Imago Dei, we can't just run away, men just can't run away from every woman because she has a vagina and just think, I can't be around her, it's gonna get weird. Like, you can have friends who are women, you can have friends who are men, but there's a right way to do that and there's a foolish way to do that. And so that's how you can do, that's how we can do that. She's a sister. She's not an object for my pleasure. She's been, she, she loves the Lord. She has a soul and I think she's great. And I have other friends like that. My, my sister-in-law, India Bomar, like, like she's a great friend. I've been friends with her for almost nine years and I can have a conversation with her without it being awkward. Why? Because the Imago Dei. Because God says that she was created in his image and that I should treat her like a sister in Christ. What I don't do is I don't call them up and I don't say like, hey, like I really need to talk to you. Can we get a drink sometimes and just talk? Can, can I just talk to you? Like Margie's really been getting on my nerves lately. We kind of have been fighting about these things. Can I talk to you about those? No, I don't get to talk to anyone about what Margie and I are going through except for Margie first and then other men in my life second. I never, you can never talk to another woman, another man about your spousal issues. Only the same, only your spouse or the same gender. It's never okay. If you're doing something like that, you're just fishing for flirtation. It's never the right, good thing to do. Today, I just want to celebrate the sameness. I want to celebrate the idea that we were created the same in the likeness and image of God. And the next week, we're going to, just to give you an idea where we're going, next week, we're going to talk about um, how men are, the differences between men and women, and specifically about men and manhood. And then the week after, we'll talk about uh, women so again, if you're a man here today and you looking for something to pray for, if you could just pray for me in two weeks, um, talking about how women are to live and how God designed women is just terrifying for me. Um, but we're going we're gonna to just go to the Bible and, and let it speak for itself. Um, and then the last week, we're, gonna, we're just going to come together and kind of bring it all together about how men and women operate together for the glory of God, for the good of his church and for their joy. Um, but today was about the sameness. And I hope you would see that, that the way you should treat someone else should be informed by the Imago Dei, should be informed by the idea that they were created in the image of God and in them is innate dignity and worth. No matter where they are in life, no matter what they've done. And, and let me say, let me close with this before we, we go to worship the Lord in song. But no matter what you've done and how you've treated others, no matter how you've treated people who have borne the Imago Dei, the born in the image of God, 
Like our hope here as Christians is that Jesus is big enough and loving enough that he, his, his forgiveness and the cross just covers those. And so I know there's, there's men and women here today who have, who have disregarded the Imago Dei. They've done things that have spit in the face of the idea that men and women, their friends, their loved ones were created in the image of God and God is bigger than that. God, God, God can forgive that and bring healing and deliverance. My prayer is that you would just come to him and you say, God, like I, I am... I am not treating this person the way they should be treated. And, and by that, I'm not treating you the way you should be treated. I just pray you'd forgive me and change my heart that I, that I might view people rightly. Men, that you might view your sisters in Christ rightly and not as objects. And women, that you would view and have a high expectation for the men in your life, for the husband in your life, for the, for the men in your life, for the man, if you're single, for the man you're seeking. You'd have high expectation. Even that means you have to wait forever. You wouldn't settle for a man who's less than what God would have for you. We'll, we'll sing a couple songs and I'll come back up here and pray at the end. Uh, real quick before I pray for us, there's one thing I wanted to mention uh, that I failed to mention. And I think it's important to say uh, on day one is uh, I know I talked about uh, men being morons. You guys remember that part? Um, if you're here today, don't, don't look at them, but if you're here today and you married a moron, um, I, I know it's funny, but I just want to say, like, if you did that, uh, there's something I just want to tell you that, that, that God loves you, um, and where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. Um, and so I said that, and I thought, man, like, someone might think their husband's a moron. Um, and and I, I, Matt Chandler said that, I, the idea that, that uh, where, where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. So as we go through the next several weeks, and I say, this is how men should act, and, and uh, your man doesn't do that, like, don't freak out. Just keep praying, keep, keep, like, let the Holy Spirit do his thing. Where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. Uh, the same thing with men is I talk about, hey, this is how women should act. This is how the Bible says women should be. And you're like, man, that doesn't sound like my wife at all. Um, just keep, keep praying, keep leading, keep, keep, keep praying, keep setting an example and doing well. Um, and, and, and we'll let the Holy Spirit do his thing. Um, so I'll pray for us and then we can go. Father, um, God, I just thank you so much, Lord. Uh, for your word, God, that we can just come to it um, and we can see the way you created the, uh, and designed the universe to work. God, and I pray, Lord, that we would just trust it um, and we would walk in, in, in what you created us to walk in, Lord. We would just trust, even when it's hard, God, when it's like, it, it's, in our wisdom, it seems like it's going to rob us of joy, Lord. I pray that we would just trust you and press in and lean in um, and trust that you know what you're doing. You understand what you created. We would just walk in that. Um, with boldness and with courage, God, uh, for your glory and for our joy. And I pray that as we continue to go through this series, Lord, that you would just really speak to our hearts, Lord, and that you would just raise up men who, who, who love you uh, and would lay their lives down for, the, uh, for their brides, Lord, for the church, for, for their community, Lord. And you just, just raise up women, Lord, who are gifted and uh, that they would just uh, look like well-watered vines, Lord, and just erupt in their giftings and so much fruit, Lord, that, that um, your glory would just be seen everywhere, Father. And I pray, God, uh, for this church and for this community, um, for everyone here today, Lord, I pray you'd bless them this week, that you'd go before them and just prepare the way for them this week, Lord, um, and that, that you would just show yourself faithful and good in their lives. Uh, and I pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys.